Hello and welcome to another episode of Bringing the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Really excited about tonight's episode. We've got a couple of guys who've been on before from the Kansas State program. First, let's welcome Nick Lecky, former Kansas State All-American, Super Bowl winner, all that stuff. Nick, how you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. I'm excited to interview the newest, or not newest, but the latest <laughs> offensive line at K-State, man, and uh, sort of uh, pick pick his brain about the season and you know what he's up to personally. That's right. And, of course, Nick is talking about Ben Adler, been the starting right guard for Kansas State this season. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. And so just kind of to start things off, I mean, you know, Drew on our on our website had an article that last week before the TCU game talking about how the offensive line and its improvement has really been kind of the key to success for Kansas State. And it was really great timing because then, you know, the Cats went out and, and beat the heck out of TCU, basically 31 to 5. They got that late touchdown that, that really doesn't even count. Also got some help from Felix and Udike Uzama, you know, who had six sacks, no matter what the entity was. Uh, yeah. But then, I mean, or I guess, Nick, for you, what, what kind of progress have you seen from the off of the line this season? I don't think it's progress. I mean, it's been consistent all year. You know, I've been uh, watching you guys and just super proud. Like, just you can see Connor Riley and has had a lot of influence on you guys. And it's just, it looks like communication is so fantastic. And anytime you get, you know, second year together with someone, that's crucial. So Ben, I guess the better question for yeah. you, Ben, is, you know, where are you guys at now versus where you're at week one? What's the biggest change? I think probably just having experience with some of those younger guys. I know uh, Hadley Panzer was one guy that is a true freshman and has gotten reps this year and has done really well. Probably just the bond between like me and Christian Duffy on the right side, Cooper Beebe and Josh Rivas on the left side, me, Josh, and Noah on the inside, just making sure we're all on the same page and kind of just making sure that as the season's gone on that we're not saying the same, we're getting better every single day and our communication, our technique, and so on is getting better every single day. What does Connor Riley bring to the table for you guys or, or just you in particular? You know, what's your biggest takeaway from him? He's a player's coach. He's a lot like Coach Kleiman. You can go in and talk to him if you're having issues. I know that I have class on Tuesdays, and I go I go and sit with him and meet with him one-on-one on Tuesdays because I miss some of meetings on Tuesdays. So I, I go sit with him one-on-one, and, and we just work through what we're going to see in practice that day, the top pressures, what the D-line is going to do slant-wise, what kind of technique we're going to be using that week, just different stuff like that. It, he's super easy to go talk to. And he adjusts for you. If there's like a technique that you're struggling with, he'll say, okay, well, let's try this technique. It's basically doing the same thing that this other technique is doing, but you can do this one better. So he he makes the game easier for you. So he sort of like builds a custom suit to everyone's sort of powers, I guess. Exactly. Okay. So what's something that, that you're comfortable with, right? Like, do you like speed pass rushers? Do you like bull rushers? you like twist games? Like, what's your strong suit in pass pro? You know, on pass pro, it, I don't have the longest arms in the world. So I'm not a big fan of the long arm. But any of the other stuff, twist, that's something that me and Duffy have cleaned up throughout the year. And me and Noah have cleaned up throughout the year. Just different twist games. I don't see, I see us having issues with twist games and different stuff like that, whether it's spin moves and I mean, he teaches, the way Coach Riley teaches us is 
if you use the right technique, none of the moves matter. Guy spins, if you have extension, got your head back, and you're not leaning on the guy, you have no issue. Long arm, same way. It's a little different with me on a long arm just because I'm not as tall as a Josh Revis or a Christian Duffy, and I don't have as long arms. So I got to be a little more careful on those. But yeah, keep your eyes out, get extension, and the bull rush, the spinning, the swiping the hands, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it, it's funny when, when you learn like that, that uh, foot placement is the most important thing. And if you can sink your butt and if you can get your, the right foot placement and you can get spacing next to your tackle and center, like you're right, nothing matters. It, it's so true. And then so yeah. as, as a freshman, you were recruited by Charlie Dickey. Yeah. What's what what was that? And I know Charlie Dickey, he's a, you know, legendary coach to me, in my, my opinion. What did you learn from him coming in? You know, I know you registered as a freshman. What did you learn from him coming from high school to the college level that you still use to this day? The physicality behind the game and some different technique on firing off the ball and in different stuff like that. I mean, I had the opportunity to be under Coach Dickey for two years and some different techniques that we even still use to this day at K-State and just be able to pick his brain and stuff like that on different techniques and the physicality behind playing the game. And that was one thing that Coach Dickey was going to demand. Every practice, every game was physicality. What did that mean to you, like physicalities? I know uh, some people have it. Uh, some people don't. <laughs> I watched your, your huddle, huddle highlights and you definitely have some, some physicality and nastiness. So how did you sort of improve that when you got to K-State? How do you improve your physicality? So Coach Dickey's definition of physicality wasn't, yeah, you drove a guy five yards off the ball. It was, you drove a guy five yards off the ball and you put him on his back. That was the finishing aspect of things and kind of the nasty side in a person that you got a guy in, in a position where you can put him on the ground, you're going to put him on the ground. You're not going to hold him up and stuff like that. Just kind of demanding pancakes and being that nasty offense alignment that Coach Dickey wanted all of his offense alignment to be. Did you ever feel like, I know it's sort of a term, but it's interesting. Did you ever feel like you never wanted to provoke the bear or you're like, I don't really care. I'm just going to do my job and put this guy in the dirt. You know, I wasn't too worried about what you're saying, poking the bear. If I had an opportunity to dirt a guy, I wasn't going to pass up on an opportunity. He might get up and say some choice words to me and maybe <laughs> give me a late shove or something like that. But that wasn't going to stop me from trying to put him on the ground and do stuff like that. And still to this day, it's not going to stop me from doing it. So uh, you said dirt a guy when this, I'm going to sound like an old guy. When I played, <laughs> we called it uh, splashing the pot. Like, you know how you play poker and you splash the pot with your chips. So you pancake yeah. a guy and you'd, you'd splash him, like, like give him the, that shamu show. What's the, yeah. what's the vernacular these days in the meeting room when you pancake someone? That's one of the more common words is dirt in a guy. You uh, basically throw a guy into the dirt. That was kind of the word we use the most when you throw a guy into the ground or you pancake a guy, you dirted that guy is kind of the common term that we use for it. I like that. Do you guys keep tabs? Do you have stats in the meeting room? Like when you get your, uh, when you get your notes uh, after games, you guys. Uh, you yeah, guys we, uh, Coach Riley keeps track of D cleaters for cuts and stuff like that and pancakes. <laughs> and stuff like that, and we'll be in meetings on Monday watching, breaking down the film, and we'll be in there, and 
Coach Riley watches it after the game, and if he misses one, we're, hey, Coach, you, you missed a pancake, and then we'll talk about it and kind of argue about it for a little bit, kind of just joking around, and we, we usually have a good laugh because it's just pretty funny being in there talking with some of the other offensive linemen and kind of just bickering back and forth, like, oh, it's a pancake. Oh, no, it's not. And, uh, <laughs> I love that. Like no, that. You, you're right. And then sometimes, too, you know, you, you'll get a pancake, and it only show on the sideline view. Uh, and if you're only watching the end zone view, you don't see it. So you got to you got to rewind the tape to the sideline view to, and you got to appear before court, essentially, right, amongst your peers to, to exactly, rally yeah. that. And <laughs> something that I do is I watch the game film before I go into meetings, so I have the plays down on. All right, here's the plays that I had pancakes on, and I look through and I'm I look through the notes and I'm like, oh, I don't have a pancake on this play. Hey, hey coach, you missed one on this year on this year play. Nice. And then are, are are you the type of player? I, I never was. I could have like general ideas, but were you, are, are you the type of player who says, yeah, in the second quarter we ran, you know, 52 Blanco uh, and I got a pancake here. Like, is that how you, you see the game? Is that how you review the game? Are you that like you can, you know, kind of see every play in your head? You know, with there was something a, a year or two ago with LeBron recalling a play from uh, a few, like, I think it was like the, can't remember what year it was, but the NBA Finals. He recalled a play in the second quarter. I'm not, I'm not that analytical with it. I can remember certain plays that I'm kind of like, oh, okay, that I'm pretty sure on this play we ran, whatever play, and I have a pancake on that. The defense tackle played like this. Linebacker fell this way. I can remember some things like that, but I probably can't go through and list an entire drive every play we ran. Yeah, that's right. I was about the same way where you, you can kind of get a general feel for a drive and maybe what happened, not necessarily when it happened. So I totally get that. Back to when you first got to K-State, who were your big brothers? Like who were the guys that you looked up to on the offensive line and who kind of took you under their wing and kind of showed you the ropes? Adam Holtorf was one guy, Scott France, Tyler Mitchell, Dalton Reisner, some of those older guys that kind of showed me the way and I could watch their film like, all right, this is the expectation. This is what I need to work up to. And if I'm not meeting the expectation, I need to up my game. And it was nice to have guys like that, that I can watch their film and see what they're doing. And like, okay, they're doing this. I need to be able to do this and different stuff like that. And I mean, you got guys like Dalton Reisner that's going on, I think it's their third year, second, third year in the NFL and as a starter and is doing really well. And, Scott France started almost every single game, if not every game, from freshman to senior year. And Tyler Mitchell wasn't far behind him starting games later in his freshman year until his senior year. And Adam Holtorf being a starting center from his sophomore year until his senior year. So it was, there was a lot of experience between all of those guys. And it was nice to be able to have those guys to kind of help me along my way. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Scott gets enough credit for battling through injuries, man. That guy pretty much lived in that damn training room. So he didn't get enough credit for his toughness. What did you take from that, like seeing that as a youth at K-State? Just how tough Scott was or or what do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. Like how did you see like you're like, okay, so you know, I'm I'm gonna get banged up. It's not like high school where I'm fresh, you know, like I'm it's I'm playing at the next level and I'm I've got to go through injuries. So, like, what, what did you take from that? Or have you always been just naturally tough? You know, I've always kind of had uh, that toughness about me that unless I can't walk, I'm going to try to stay in the game. And, I mean, that happened against Oklahoma. I got rolled up on against Oklahoma, and I was chomping at the bit to get back in the game. I think I got pulled out for three plays, and 
the second I got to the sideline, I was telling Coach Riley, I'm ready to go back in. And I think I've always kind of had that, but also seeing guys like Scott, like you said, guy had bad knees and had some shoulder issues, and you'd never know about it because he wasn't going to stop that. He wasn't going to take practices off because he was dinged up and different stuff like that, you know. I got you. Okay, now you are a part of this new, you know, and in kind of class of super seniors. How are you giving back to the freshmen, to the sophomores, you know, the redshirt guys, you know? What are you doing outside of your play and, you know, kind of showing them how to do it? Are you taking anyone under your wing or are you showing them the ropes? Or are you coaching on the sidelines during practice? Yeah, so kind of what I like to do is Hadley Panzer is one that it's really easy to help him along because he's not down there with the scout team. He's down there with the two deep. And I can sit there and practice and I can watch his technique and say, Hadley, you lunged on that one. Hadley, your second step didn't get to where it needed to be. And I can kind of help him. And, I mean, he's one of the more coachable people that I've ever seen, ever. And that's with Coach Riley. That's with me. It, he doesn't take it differently from me to Coach Riley. He is always trying to learn. And other people like Sam Heck, who's also a right guard, Sam Shield and Hadley, when we're doing drill work and we're all together, I can sit there and watch and kind of break down their technique and say, hey, you missed with your second step or you missed with your hands or something like that and help out some of those right guards when we're doing position work and stuff like that. How does coaching the younger players, how does that kind of help things click in your mind? Like, are you ever like coaching someone and say, oh yeah, that's right. That, that, that's what that means. Yeah. I mean, it kind of helps you elevate your game even more because instead of just knowing what you're supposed to do, you can see what it's supposed to look like. And you're like, okay, this is how I would handle it. This is what he's doing. And kind of the same way what I said earlier with Coach Riley, he has that, I can't remember if you said, armor-like for each player, kind of their own suit, is what I think is what you said. Yeah. But yeah, basically suit. kind of help him like, all right, you're using a high knee technique right here. If you're not getting enough depth on it or not getting lateral enough on it, I mean, I can tell him like, hey, you're lagging on your second step. You're not getting enough depth on it or something like that. And I can kind of break that down with them and help them and say, hey, you need to get more or something. I got you. So you have to describe the transfer portal to me. Is it ever surprising to you when guys enter the transfer portal or is it some of those things that you kind of, and, and I'm not asking specifically, I'm just saying just in general, like, can you kind of see it coming? And when it happens, you're like, yeah, I saw that coming. That makes a lot of sense to me. There's been a few people that you can kind of see it coming. And then there's also been a few people that it kind of shocked you didn't see it coming. And part of me thinks like, yeah, I mean, the transfer portal is, is an okay thing because people are trying to go find a place where they can play and they can make a difference and trying to find a new home for that matter. But I also think the transfer portal can be used as an ex like kind of like an excuse or not necessarily an excuse, but kind of a reason like if you're not liking your situation you don't want to face it head on you want to leave but I know that some situations are different and I'm not saying all situations are like that but I've had a few friends that have left and they had good reason and I also had a few friends that left just because they didn't they didn't like the situation that they were in they didn't think that they were playing and they thought that they should be playing and personally I don't think that that's right I mean if you don't like where you're at you control that I mean I haven't played my entire career here. I, did, I redshirted, and I didn't play my freshman or sophomore year very much. I think I played in a few of the the blowout games, but transferring never really crossed my mind. Yeah, that like sounds that. kind of similar to what I've heard from, from college coaches, actually. 
kind of talked about transferring the same way, that same sentiment. Yeah. If I could jump in just as a follow-up, Ben, I know last time we talked, you said you'd probably wait to the end of the season to decide if you want to use your extra year of COVID eligibility. Are you still waiting on that? Have you done any more thinking on that? I haven't done too much thinking about it. I'll uh, sit down with my family. I'm supposed to graduate this December uh, with my degree and a minor, and uh, I'll graduate in December, sit down and talk with my family after we do a bowl game and go from there. Now, my other one, too, you have to explain to me is the new NIL instituted this year. Has it really affected you? Have you gotten a ride in, in Deuce's car? You know, have you, <laughs> you gotten any free meals out of it? You know, what's been what's been that thing to you that you look forward to with that? You know, as an offensive lineman, I haven't had too many NIL deals. I think I've done one or two, which is cool. But uh, no, I haven't got a ride in Deuce Vaughn's car. I would like to. It's a, it's a pretty <laughs> slick car. But probably uh, one of my more favorite things is Skylar Thompson's Jack Stack deal. He did this NIL deal with them where they uh, cater in Jack Stacks, and I think he gets to select a, a select few offensive linemen. And we go there and eat there uh, on a Thursday night, and they cater in a crazy amount of food, and it is so good. And I remember they did it once already this year, and I think we're doing another one pretty soon, but the first time they did it, I didn't eat lunch in preparation for it. And I ate a small breakfast and I left thinking I might throw up. I was so <laughs> the meat, the meat sweats mid meal already formed. Oh, right? I, I mean, I was, I was tweaking. I mean, I was walking out. I was like, I, was like, I don't know if I can drive right now. <laughs> yeah. If you eat so, uh, eat so much barbecue that you go cross-eyed, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Have you had the Crown Prime ribs there? The Crown Prime rib? Um, I don't think they brought that. I know they're bringing new stuff to this next one, but they brought burnt ends, ribs, cheesy corn. Uh, what else? Did they, I'm trying to remember everything they brought, but it, they brought a ton of food. And everyone, by the time we left, <laughs> were kind of just sitting there like, oh, geez. And then they, they had us take pictures afterwards, and I was I'm like, man, I really wish we would have taken pictures before this, but <laughs> I got grease on my shirt, grease on my, yeah, on I got, my face, I got, right? Yeah, my belly's sticking out. I got right barbecue <laughs> all over my face. I'd much rather take pictures beforehand, but <laughs> yeah, you have to record. You absolutely have to. Um, so I, I do a podcast um, with the Chiefs called Outside the Trenches, and Jack Sack's one of our sponsors, and you have to. You have to tell Skyler, say, hey, buddy, if you really love me and you really appreciate me, <laughs> you would get us a crown prime rib. And honestly, like I, I eat a lot. I'm still 280. Uh, I, w- I was 305 when I played and I eat just one now and it's pretty damn filling. So you have to you have to request that. You absolutely have to request that. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, I also wanted to say, man, I was do- doing research on you. Allstate baseball. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a bizarre one i was expecting you know wrestling or well I, you know his his dad was a minor league baseball player so really i didn't know that yeah. yeah yeah my uh my dad went and played baseball at missouri and then went and played a few years for uh the double and triple a detroit tigers okay so you just always play baseball and just were, were are you a hitter and, and a solid defenseman at first base was that the game for you in high school yeah, that was when I was younger. 
I would pitch a little bit just because I was kind of tall and I could throw harder from that closer distance. And then as I got older, I kind of just stuck with playing first base and then third base every once in a while. But I got big enough that I couldn't really rear back and throw the ball super hard. I mean, I'd be able to throw upper 70s, low 80s every once in a while, but not. I mean, I got a younger brother who's pitching at Wichita State, and he can consistently sit low 90s, and I was never able to do that. With placement? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I still give him grief because I tell him I could still hit off him to this day. I haven't seen him bat in like five years or whatever it's been, but I still I still make fun of him and tell him it's a good thing that I, that you don't have to pitch against me in practice. <laughs> so then, uh, was baseball sort of your first love, and you and you literally outgrew the sport, or you kind of always had a, a preference for football? Baseball was the sport when I was younger. I can't even remember how many Halloweens uh, I was a baseball player. I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to play baseball like my dad. And I think right around, I mean, my freshman year, I was starting to get recruited for baseball. And at that point, I want to say I was about 6'2", 240, 250. Was it a clean 250 or was it a recruited. bad 250? I looked pretty good. I didn't look, I played tight end. I didn't switch to offensive okay. line until my sophomore year. I played outside linebacker and tight end at 6'2", 6'3", 240, 250. And yeah, I mean, I was getting, I had some questionnaire, recruiting questionnaire type stuff to fill out with Wichita State and some local junior colleges and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. sophomore year rolled around and I got, I was up to about 270, 275 and about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and by my junior year was when I was like, okay, college football is my path because I was sitting at about 305. <laughs> I got on a pretty solid weight program. I had a buddy that when I transferred schools and went to Trinity, I had a buddy that I lifted with every day. And this guy was, he was a gym junkie. I mean, we would work out for two or three hours a day and I would be walking out and I lifted weights a little bit, but not crazy. My freshman and sophomore year, I was just kind of a naturally big person. <laughs> And then for about two months straight, I went to the YMCA with my friend. And I'm not 100% sure. I haven't talked to him in a while, but I think he might be taking like a assistant job at trying to get an assistant job at KU for a strength coach. Hmm. And he would have me walking out. I say walking. I use that term kind of lightly. Crawling out of the YMCA because I would be so sore after workouts. <laughs> and he awesome. would for two hours just try to kill me for two hours <laughs> that's awesome. how much did yeah, you weigh as a junior in high school nick um i was 275 as a junior and then 290 as a senior okay yeah. so yeah so you're in the ymca just stacking plates doing power cleans squats all that good stuff hey oh all of it i mean he'd have us we would do a heavy squat day and then he'd finish it out with they had this calf raise machine and he would love to do burnout sets three sets of burnout sets on calf raises after heavy squat day? After heavy squat day. So oh I would be walking God. out. My legs are not working. I'm thinking I'm going to fall down the stairs walking out of the YMCA <laughs> because I'm holding on to the rail for dear life because I'm just like, my legs are going to give out and I'm going to fall down the stairs and everyone's going to laugh at me. Oh, I know those days where you're, you're looking at a corner and just saying that'd be a good place to die right there, just off to the side. <laughs> right right now, yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, then. So, so that leads to my next question. Power clean or squat, what's your, you know, people say how much you bench, which I think is, is BS because it's not indicative of anything. 
power clean or squat? How, how are you measuring yourself? Like, what do you think is the better translation to playing offensive line? You know, I like squat more just because it's, I can put a belt on and it's easier on my back. I feel like when I power clean, if the bar gets a little out in front of me, I can tweak my back and it makes my back a little sore or something like that. For squat, I can put the bar exactly where I want it, where I know I'm not going to jack my back up. I know that some of our more athletic, kind of freaky athletic guys like KT, Katori Levinson, he's a big kind of freaky athlete type guy. A guy can clean a ton of weight. I don't know what his end uh, max was, but he's probably one of our best athletes on the offensive line, and he could clean a ton of weight just because he had so much snap in his hips. And then as far as, like, run blocking, do you like pulling? Do you like straight ahead? Do you have a preference? Like, You know, I like when we run counter, when I can just straight pull for a defensive end. We haven't really ran it too much this year, but like a trap pull where I can pull not that far to the, uh, like a three tech on the other side and he doesn't see me coming. I really like those kind of pulls, but we haven't really ran too many of those. Yeah, that, I mean, I kind of like combination blocks. We run lateral combination block on power or something like that. And Duck does a really good job at getting to the defender's hip. And, yeah, those are a lot of fun because if you run them right and you use the right technique and you get up and underneath the defensive end, you, uh, oh, man. like I said earlier, you can dirt them. You can dirt and, and you can dirt them into the linebacker's lap and then dirt the linebacker when he's bent over from his own player too. So, yep. yeah. And then what do you guys call it? You said it's a lateral combo block. Is, is there a, a term or a vocabulary word that you guys use to describe that sort of block? Is it like a keen block or? You know, I don't think Coach Riley would want me using our terminology. Oh, that's okay. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> I, I apologize. I wasn't trying to set you up. Okay, but is it, I'll, you I'll have just, to call I'll it? I'll call it a lateral combo block, and Thank I, I you. don't think yeah. that will get me in trouble. Yeah, sorry. I, I did not mean to set you up like that. So do you say it on the line? Like you say, hey, hey, lateral combo block, lateral combo block, or is it just assumed since you guys have had two years together? It kind of depends. If we're try if we know that the defensive line is key into our calls, we'll say something walking up to the line of scrimmage before we get up there, like, hey, you and me are, are here working to this guy. And so we can get up there and then we can make dummy calls if we want to do that. And you guys are doing and dummy that's calls. That's kind of how we help throw off the defensive line is we make dummy calls and we make real calls so they don't know what's gonna happen. That's big. Did you guys do a lot of dummy calls last year? I didn't know just because I was still trying to get comfortable with playing and making sure I didn't want to be making dummy calls if I didn't actually know what I was doing. I didn't want to be saying, <laughs> like, I, I didn't want Noah thinking I was saying dummy calls and I'm actually asking if that's what we're doing. <laughs> right. but now that I Now that I'm getting more comfortable with uh, my techniques and my in the play calling and stuff like that, I can feel comfortable that I can walk up and make a bunch of different dummy calls and point at different linebackers and say, hey, we're working here and here and just say random stuff and they, they won't really know what's going on. That's pretty cool. So that that's something too, where, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, that you had this year that after having a year under your belt and having that confidence, man, that that's huge. You know, that's really huge to be able to make all those calls like that. You know, I, I think that that's a fantastic thing. What is it ab about climbing? Like was with you where uh, I had Snyder my whole career but then I've met Kleiman a couple of times. I've seen him at practice. What is it about Kleiman that's special that, or that's really endearing to you about him? 
Probably kind of what I said earlier about it. I mean, he's a player's coach. He basically lets us take ownership of the team because he knows that a coach that sits there and says, you guys need to do this, this, and this, and you're going to do it my way, and it's my way or the highway, it's going to be tough to succeed. But if you sit back and say, this is your guys' team, you guys deal with guys that don't go to class, you deal with guys that aren't watching film, you deal with that stuff. It means a whole lot more coming from a player than it does a coach. Because if you have a player that's sitting there ripping into you because you skipped a tutor or you skipped class, it means a lot more because then that person can turn around and hold you accountable. If you just have a coach sitting there yelling at you, some people might not take that the right way and will be like, man, just coach is ripping me for no reason. It's, it's I missed one class, that's it, and kind of make excuses for it. But if you got a player that's sitting there ripping into you, they can turn around and hold you accountable as well. So if I'm sitting there yelling at one guy, like, hey, you missed tutor last week, what are you doing? And then I turn around and miss a tutor this week. He can do the same thing to me and hold me accountable. I like that. I've always liked when coaches sort of, you know, stepped back and let the leaders lead and let the individual sort of, I don't want to say deputies, but sort of, you know, leaders in the position groups. It's kind so, of a Ted Lasso yeah. approach, right? He, I, 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 you guys watched that show? Oh, I have not okay. seen it Sorry. yet. I love Tosser, <laughs> but I, I don't, yeah, I've not seen that one yet. I do. I really do. Nice. I have a so, question about the, the coaches. Sorry, if I could jump in here. I know, I mean, Coach Snyder came up, obviously, on the offensive side of the ball, offensive coordinator stuff. Coach Kleiman comes from the defensive side. You know, can you see that difference at all in the way they approach things? Yeah. I mean, a little bit, just because with Coach Snyder, if offense had a bad day, it was a terrible practice. Everyone did <laughs> terrible. And with Coach Kleiman during camp, if defense had a good day, it was good practice. And we would be sitting in film, and it was not a good day. And yeah, just, just, I mean, that's probably the biggest difference right there. I mean, it's not a huge difference, but that's probably one of the differences. He's consistent. That's for damn sure. Snyder is. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Do you enjoy watching football in your off time? Yeah, I don't watch a ton of NFL football just because I like to try to get my homework done for the week. And some of that falls on Sunday and Monday of trying to get ahead of homework for the week. So I might not watch much football then, but on Saturdays after games, I'll turn on the TV and just see what all games are on and, and watch a little bit of the games. And most of the time, my family comes up for the games. So they'll come to my house and we'll watch football and might order pizza and hang out at the house for a little while if it's an early game. If it's a later game, they usually just come say hi and head home. But if it's like last week playing TCU at 2.30, uh, we got done with the game, had pizza, and then they sat there and stayed there until about 8.30. Just watching yeah. football, hanging out, talking, and stuff like that. Bizarro universe, you can't go to K-State. Where are you going to right now? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give you honestly, time to I, don't, I don't really know. I mean, K-State has always been my number one choice. And, I mean, coming out of high school, it was my number one choice and still is my number one choice. And, yeah, I don't, I don't know where I would go, to be honest with you. Okay. You know, that's why I always loved, especially this week coming up, the, the, the KU week. I was from Dallas, when, and I, I came to K-State. And I knew how special the rivalry game is, man. So how big is this is this week to you? You know, it's a pretty big pretty it's a bigger game. It's not we're not gonna go into it over hyping the game and making it bigger than what it is. It's an opportunity to compete and like Coach Kleiman says, we're just gonna go one and every day and then that will hopefully allow us to go one and on Saturday. We're not gonna go into a game and over hype it and put unnecessary pressure on ourselves. 
So, Do you get a lot of texts from friends during KU week? You know, I have a few friends that went to KU, and usually they text me on Friday or Saturday, kind of just talking some trash, and <laughs> and they usually end it with, good luck, man, I'll talk to you after the game or something like that. But usually the first part of it is talking trash about them beating us or whatever and different stuff like that, but it's always good to talk to some of my friends that even if they go to KU, I mean, I'm not going to look at mm-hmm. them differently even though I kind of want to, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I I totally get it. Like I said, you know, if I went to school in Texas, um, you know, you you played against guys in high school that were your your rivals and things like that. So I know as an out-of-state person how big this game was. And to me, I always loved KU Week just because no matter how good or bad they were, you always got hyped up for it because you wanted to sort of win the state, win that battle or, or, be able to go to Lawrence in the off season, you know, maybe wear some purple colors or something like that. Is that, is that sort of your opinion, your take on it as well? You know, I don't spend too much time in Lawrence. Uh, if I were <laughs> to go to Lawrence, I would wear a purple shirt, probably one of my K-State shirts. But I do, I basically, uh, I'll message uh, my friends after the games and just talk a little trash. But it is a bigger game for us Kansas kids because, I mean, I think I saw something the other day that, K-State has 56 guys on their team, I think is the number, that are from Kansas. And then KU has like 10. Right. So, I mean, I know, I know a few guys that are on KU's team that I know from high school, but it is kind of like – I mean, I wasn't heavily recruited by KU, so it is kind of nice to stick it to KU because, I mean, a lot of these guys that are here weren't recruited by KU. They were overlooked. Bizarro. That's bizarro to me. It, it <laughs> truly is bizarro to me to see the state of things there and the state of things here. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. All right. So my last question then: Do you guys feast as an offensive lineman? Do you guys meet like on Thursday nights or Sunday nights or any night of the week and feast? You know, not as an entire offensive line, other than when Skyler has. Uh, <laughs> has jack sex and and then it's like i think 10 of us get together or eight or something like that yeah but um i mean just different guys get together and it's not just offensive linemen sometimes it'll we'll get together and i'll go out to eat with duff and cooper and josh and then another time i might go out to eat with josh and jp jalen pickle and katori levinston and I mean, it's just a different group of guys about every time. We don't really consistently go out with the same guys every time, but we'll go out to eat and we'll go eat some so-longs or we'll go to Umi or do something like that and eat a bunch of food and just kind of hang out and blow off some steam and relax. What are you getting at so-long? What's that order right now? If we're going to dinner, what are you ordering for yourself or for the table for dinner? You know, if uh, if Coach Riley listens to this, uh, I'm going to say a salad and hope he pauses <laughs> it after this. But usually what I get is the so long stack burger, and I add uh, bacon and avocado to it. Nice. What's on the stack burger? Is that eggs? and? No, that's the hangover burger. I, I can't remember. If, I think it's called the hangover burger that has all that. But it's basically two really thick patties, and then it has like a spicy mayo on there and then cheese, and then I add bacon and avocado to it, and then uh, it's a pretty thick burger, and then I usually get fries and then dip it in queso. Oh, 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 oh. Any appetizers? 
Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, usually when I go with <laughs> when I go with Josh or, or somebody like that, I'll get the raspberry bean dip for the table, and Josh gets the fried pickles. Nice. Fried pickles a good choice. Yeah. There's something that small people don't understand about when fellow offensive linemen go out. It's like you're allowed to fly your your freak flag or your, your fat <laughs> kid flag really, really high and just kind of gorge. So I think that's something I I always cherish, you know, when I was back at K-State. So it seems like you guys kind of have that same concept. Oh, yeah. I mean, the looks that we get when we walk in, I mean, we, <laughs> I think we went out to eat the other day for Katori Levinson's birthday. And we walked into uh, El Tapatio, and I think it was I think it was like ten offensive linemen there. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh my God! And we walked in, and it was a pretty packed night. I think it was like a Thursday night, and they had some sort of deal going on. There was people everywhere. I think it took us about two hours to get seated and get our food and eat and all that stuff. But where KT wanted to go for his birthday, so we went there. That's but we walked in, and everyone was turning around looking at us, just because I mean you're you're seeing. KT is about 6'5", 335. Josh is about 6'6", 315, 320. I'm about 6'3", 6'4", 320. Cooper Beebe, 6'3", 6'4", 320, 315, 320. Taylor Poitier, Noah Johnson. I mean, all all really big guys walking in, and everyone kind of just turns around and looks at us like, holy cow. Yeah, <laughs> let me let me get my order in before these guys order and just jam the kitchen up for about an hour. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, what's the sense? Nick brought up feasts. I gotta ask though. You know, normally the the biggest feast of the year for most of us is on Thanksgiving, but this year you guys got to play a game at nine a.m. the next day. Does that change how you eat for Thanksgiving? Yes. Usually, what we do is we will have a game on Saturday, and we would practice Thursday in the morning we're kind of early and we get done at about 11 and then guys that live nearby can drive home and have Thanksgiving. And then they needed to be back early Friday morning, whether it's to fly somewhere or if it's a bus to the hotel for meetings or whatever it is, you just get back Friday morning. And I think this year, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do this year. I haven't talked to my parents about that. Probably need to get that done somewhat soon. But um, they're road tripping down to uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area where my mom's brother is, and they're going to do Thanksgiving there on Thursday. So we'll get back okay. on Friday from the game. And my I think my family's staying in Dallas until Sunday. And my roommate, Josh, I think is also coming back on Sunday. So I'm not 100% sure what I'm doing for Thanksgiving. I might just have a feast by myself. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing yet, but it will definitely be different. And I know in the past, i not as bad as Jack Stacks, but I usually wear my, my loose sweat shorts and go enjoy a big meal <laughs> and eat a whole bunch on Sunday and let everything digest and relax on Friday and then play a game on Sunday. But I think it would be a really bad idea to eat a whole bunch of food on Thursday and then turn around and play a game kind of early on <laughs> Friday. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. So I would agree. So, but you know, it could be a good way to celebrate a big win. So hopefully that's what you guys will be doing. Yeah. Afterwards. <laughs> Well, well, thank you, Ben. I, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining Luke and I. Luke, do you have any, any other questions? Yeah. I just had one other thing. I was kind of wondering, you know, obviously when Skyler came back from his injury, he wasn't himself running the ball. And I was just kind of wondering, you know, if that first of all, if that was like any 
different few blocking for him. And then secondly, last week we were kind of feels like he's become a better force to take more time and go through all his reads when, when running isn't necessarily as good an option as it normally is. So Ben, just wondering your take on that. Have you seen that as well? You know, we've kind of not avoided, but kind of took it easy the first few weeks with him running the ball just because we knew mm-hmm. that we knew that his knee wasn't a hundred percent and we didn't want to push it and have him taking unnecessary shots. And the offensive line got together and we basically said that we need to step up our protection even more. We need to make sure there's no unnecessary hits on him and he need, he shouldn't be taking any hits. And we kind of got together and and made sure that we knew exactly what was going on in all our protection and made sure we were 100% and there were going to be no bust and unnecessary hits on him. I mean, there's going to be breakdowns in protection. There's going to be one where somebody lunges and gets beat around the edge or somebody lunges and gets beaten side or somebody gets spun on. I mean, that stuff happens. But the unnecessary ones where you got a guy going the wrong way or you got a slide protection and somebody goes the wrong way and you got a guy run on touch. That kind of stuff was what we were going to avoid and make sure that we were going to keep him clean. And over the weeks, his knee has been feeling a lot better and he's running a lot more comfortably. I mean, he had a rushing touchdown this past weekend yeah. and he just looks and feels, he, he looks like he's really comfortable back there in the pocket. Yeah, I would say so. His, his comfort level was definitely improving week to week. Cause you know, I can tell we've all been there before when you're injured and you just don't, you don't trust it enough yet. And then you could tell yeah. each week uh, was really good. I mean, I even thought he really, he made some gutsy ass runs versus Iowa State where I'm like, damn, he's really pushing himself. I mean, that was really mm-hmm. like, I've always loved Skyler, but that really kind of endeared me more to him for being, you know, showing that grit level, which is cool to see from your quarterback. Yeah. And do you think there's any truth to the idea that, you know, because he kind of had to, he couldn't necessarily run as quickly, it wasn't as good of an option that, and even now that he can, he, he's become a better passer because he's kind of been through that and is going through those reads and making good decisions because it seems like he's been throwing the ball as well as, as he's ever been these last few weeks. Yeah, he has looked really good these past few weeks. With And I think part of that is, him knowing that we're gonna keep him upright and we're not gonna we're not gonna let him take a bunch of unnecessary shots and he's not gonna just get absolutely laid out all the time. Is him believing that we're gonna keep him upright and different stuff like that and him being able to go through all of his reads and not panic and think I'm getting ready to get smoked and go out of the pocket unnecessarily. I think it's it's just him believing in us and us believing in him for him to make all of his reads and make a good throw and, and all of that. Just us believing in one another and doing that and, and if, if you're listening to this podcast right now i know you're thinking what does he mean by try harder shouldn't they be trying hard the whole time <laughs> but I, I i think that concept really just speaks to not having that time clock go off in your head where you stop blocking on pass pro you're like well he should have thrown it by now and it, it means cleaning up your assignments and just playing a little bit harder so i 100 get that concept you know that's a true statement and yeah. that's really cool to see you guys organized like that, man. It really speaks on the the maturity of the team and where you guys are at, man. Really kind of embodying that super senior uh, mentality. Nick, I just had one more thing, and this is something Ty wanted me to ask you, actually. It's kind of, and you guys can both speak on this, but, you know, it sounds like the, the terminology is a little different. But, like, when Ben was talking about, you know, the points of emphasis for coaches now, is that similar to what you learned going through K-State? Do you think that has changed much over the years? Uh, 
I mean, I, I've seen, I mean, just from talking to Ben here and just, you know, sort of the things that I watch on film, because I still watch the offense line. You know, I watch you guys battle all the time. You know, I, I do not watch the ball at all. Um, you know, I, I pick a different person every play and I just kind of follow that offense lineman. The game is um, you can't splash anymore. That's a penalty. You know, you have to be more technical. I think the high school level, just from watching, you know, been watching your high school highlights, I could tell you were coached. I mean, you were, you were doing pass pro, you were punching really well. So I think just the game has improved from the high school up. So it's way more technical. Like, is that, Ben, you sort of seen that? Is it just more technical? You have to be dialed in with plays and responsibilities? Yeah, that was, in high school, I was, I basically just used my body and my size against who I played. And that's all I needed to use. I didn't have to rely on technique and stuff like that. So in some of my uh, high school tape, I, I wouldn't even use my hands on some things. I might just headbutt a guy and yeah. <laughs> just stay in his yeah. way because he can't get around me. That doesn't work in college anymore. So it was when I got to college was when I really figured out using the right footwork and using your hands and having tight hands and different stuff like that technical-wise is extremely vital to winning your one-on-one, whether it be in run blocking or pass blocking. But yeah, I mean, if you don't have good technique on whatever it is, it makes it more challenging to win. 100% I did, I did. I did have one more question. Maybe both of you guys can answer this. And I was just wondering, you know, a lot of times you hear coaches and announcers say like, oh, you could call holding on every play if you're going to call that. Blah, 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 that sort of. So just as an offensive lineman, like when you get called for holding, how often do you know like exactly what you did wrong or, or how often are you thinking, nah, I'm not sure what I did. What, what's he calling there? So usually most of the time when you get called for a holding, it's your arms are getting outside, you're getting on the shoulder pads and a guy's tugging away and he's trying to pull away from you and you're pulling on him and it, it's pretty obvious for the ref to see. I know that I've gotten called for one holding call all year and it still to this day makes me extremely annoyed that I got called for it because I can tell you what play it was. We ran inside zone to the right. I blocked a three tech or maybe it was a two. I can't remember, but I blocked number four for Stanford and I was pushed him downfield and Deuce ran right out the front door and the guy basically stuck his arm out and yelled and tried to make the play. He wasn't making the play, but stuck his arm out and flailed his arms and yelled and jumped on the ground. So if he was number four, that's probably a defensive back, right? No, he was uh, one of their defensive tackles. Uh, I'm trying to think of what his name was. Broker or Brooker Booker or something like that but um yeah he did that he was a bigger set guy which made it even more funny because he was about six four six five three hundred and five pounds three hundred and ten pounds but I went to start pushing him backwards and he sticks his arm out and screams and flails his arms and I get called for holding but I knew that him sticking his arms out and flailing his arms, I didn't even turn around and look. I just hoped they didn't call for holding. And then I kind of ran down the field, and then I heard the whistles blowing after Deuce scored. And I kind of turned and looked back and saw a flag, and I was like, oh, they got me. Yeah, that sucks when you know you're, when you know you're, you're innocent as well, too. That's a difficult one. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like that's uh, Stanford's Thomas Booker, number four. Yep, that sounds right. <laughs> Yeah. 
right, I think probably ought to wrap this up. I really appreciate you both coming on. This is a lot of fun. Well, thank you for having me. This is, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed just listening to both of you guys. Thanks a lot, Nick. Yeah, no problem, Luke. Uh, ben, thank you so much for giving up time. I know it's uh, pretty precious with practice and study hall and tutoring and homework. So we really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm always down to talk some more football, even outside of practice and stuff like that. Nice. For sure. Def- yeah. Definitely go Cats, right? Go Cats. Yeah. This, week, yeah. this, is the, this is the big week, man. It's still big for me, man. It really is. I always look forward to this week. And it's like, <laughs> You know, when you're out of it, when you can't control it, man, it's just so nerve wracking. And uh, yeah, so good luck. Play your best, yeah. man. Go one and oh, every down. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah. And you guys can follow Ben at, on Twitter, Ben underscore Adler 36. Nick is at Mr. Lackey. Nick, you want to plug any of your podcasts or anything? Um, yeah. Uh, outside the trenches. That's a fun one on the KC Sports Network. Yeah. It's good to see the Chiefs finally get a win last night. That was a little scary, but they got it done. Sometimes you got to win when you don't deserve it. <laughs> That's right. All right. Luke Thompson signing off.